Hello everyone, this is Francesca and this is episode 26 of my podcast, Let Me Take You on a Psychology Adventure. And today we're talking about some rules that you need to follow to be happy in life. In part one, we talked about five such rules. So now we'll talk about the other five. So in total, there are 10 rules. So if you didn't watch part one, after listening to this, go and watch it. Because today we're going to start with rule number six, which is productive thinking. Think in a way that helps you. So take a close look at your beliefs about anything that makes you unhappy and question them. Because if you are suffering in almost any area of life, it means that your beliefs are not productive. Look at your beliefs about life, about relationships, about expectations, about religion, about sexuality. The secret is we don't have access to reality anyways. So you might as well think in a way that helps you, that supports you. Two different people can be in the same context and see it in completely different ways. Reality is relative. Every person has their own reality, their own beliefs. For example, my friend was sexually suppressed. So I had a friend that had big issues with her sexuality, her boyfriend, because she was really scared of having sex. She believed, you know, as most Romanian Eastern European girls and boys also usually do, unfortunately, that sex was a dirty thing that men uh, do and that women are that women are just these innocent and pure beings that shouldn't crave sex or be sexual. So as a result, she was sexually suppressed and inhibited. She had all these unproductive beliefs that, that for instance, um, you take the energy of the person that you have sex with and somehow it stays with you your whole life. You know, and I told her that you do take the energy, but you also liberate it. Energy flows. It doesn't get stuck in your body for life. And, you know, women are sexual beings as well. A girl turns into a woman through her sexuality, actually, in a psychological way. So I talk more about this in my Girl to Woman podcast. So if you're interested in that, go listen to it. But the point is, it's important to review the beliefs you got from your grandma, from your teachers, from your dad, from your mom, and question them if they're actually helping you or not. So there are 12 principles that I learned a few years ago when I was studying NLP by which I live my life now every day because they gave me a more productive and optimistic way of thinking that helped me a lot in my life and I want to share them with you. So the first one is that any behavior was the best choice anyone had at the time. So with the wisdom of today, you would often want to have done something differently in the past. But that makes sense uh, because you got that wisdom precisely by doing it and making mistakes. Another way to state this NLP principle is 
everyone does their best with the tools he or she has available at that time. This also has to do with the following assumption about positive intention. So number two is behind every behavior, there is a positive intention, your behaviors or other people's behaviors. The positive intention is one of the most important components of problematic behavior. So let's start right away with an example. People can smoke because he or she has the positive intention to have a social moment with a friend who also smokes at that time. This advantage of the problematic behavior is also referred to as secondary gain or gaining from disease. Another example is cursing seems incomprehensible on the surface. The positive intention of this behavior could be to feel a connection or be heard. The positive intention is often always to fulfill a fundamental need. So instead of accusing someone, ask, what does someone want to achieve with this behavior? What values does this person fulfill with this? What can you do with this knowledge? NLP uses this to find a new application for the positive intention. Thus, this person could come up with new options that could fulfill the intention of being social, for example, and not having to smoke. Sometimes someone doesn't want to get rid of the drama. People like drama, and that's why they have it usually. So he's then a bit devoted to it. Let this person know that similar benefits can be obtained with different behaviors, or better, communicate this with the subconscious. Every behavior and every feeling is meaningful if you find a suitable context for it. Every behavior and every feeling makes sense if you find the suitable, the right context. At NLP, we never throw away behavior. We respect it and find another function for it. For every behavior, there is a context in which it makes sense. We therefore avoid the label bad. For example, if you act stubborn and arrogant, that doesn't make you a less good person. You're only less effective in achieving your desired results in certain situations. We therefore speak of a desired situation or undesirable situation with regard to the context or the goal. So, for instance, being arrogant or stubborn could help you if someone is stepping over your boundaries, but it could not help you if you're having, let's say, a conflict in the relationship and you're trying to connect or work through it. So the same ability that you have or same quality is good, could be useful or could be not desirable or unuseful in certain situations. Now, the third principle is that failure doesn't exist. Only feedback exists. Life teaches us important lessons through our mistakes. If you make a mistake, ask yourself what you could learn from it. Accept these lessons with humility and gratitude. That way you grow much more. You'd be surprised how many people still are afraid of making mistakes and still don't have this mindset that failure doesn't exist. It's just learning. It's just feedback. 
Anything you want to do well is worth doing bad first. This principle also presupposes that it is good to get out of your comfort zone so that you learn new things. In fact, as soon as something becomes too comfortable because you can already do it very well, you should actually forbid yourself from doing that too much. Then it's time to challenge yourself and make it more difficult so that you make mistakes and again develop yourself. If you can do it all, you shouldn't do it. If you can do it yet, then you should do it. Otherwise, you will learn nothing. There are two kinds of people when there is something to be learned. Type 1 studies the typewriter first and type 2 immediately starts tapping on the keys. Type 1 prefers to learn the grammar of a foreign language first, while type 2 learns the language on the street, even communicated with hands and feet in the meantime if it's necessary. Type 2 often learns faster than type 1, and that is because type 2 is not afraid to make mistakes. Sometimes you have to go through things, not around them. It's about what you learn from them. In short, mistakes make you successful in life even or precisely if it happens, let's say, in your new job, for example. This premise, failure does not exist, only feedback exists, is also related to the following principle. So the meaning of your communication is the evoked response. If you don't achieve what you want, you need to change something in your approach. So principle number four, again, is the meaning of the message is the response that follows. In other words, the meaning of your communication is the response that you receive from the person that you communicate with. You therefore measure whether you have communicated properly by checking whether the message has got through to the other party and you are responsible for a correct transfer. If your communication has not achieved what you wanted with it, you have to change something about your communication. If the other party has misunderstood while you have explained it so perfectly according to yourself, then you still do not place the blame on the other person, but on the communication method you chose. A good leader always takes responsibility. It doesn't matter who made the mistake. A good leader always takes it on his own and always says, it's my mistake. Then a solution is sought. This is a proactive way of thinking, not a reactive trait. So not, it depends on my staff, on my customers, on my client, on the government, on the tax authorities, on my partner, children, colleagues, boss, mother-in-law, my origins, the aliens, the neighbor, the grandfather. It depends on me. So I know that, for instance, in schools, if you don't understand, the teacher will probably say that you are stupid. But the real problem in, is in the way that the teacher explains. Because a good teacher knows how to talk in every kind of way, say the same thing in more ways, so all everyone understands. And if the children don't understand and are not engaged, it's the teacher's fault, always. It's not because they're too stupid or dumb. There is no such thing. Okay, principle number five is if what you're doing doesn't work, test something else. You always test. 
For example, by asking if something has worked. And if it does not have uh, the desired result, you test something else. This applies an attitude of curiosity, of flexibility, and a willingness to experiment. If you always do what you've always done, you will always get the results that you've always had. This is something that Tony Robbins says. The definition of insanity is keep testing the same thing and still expect a different outcome. This principle is used in hypnosis as well, for example. If you calibrate that the client responds very well to certain hypnotic suggestions and less strongly to other suggestions, then you use the suggestions that work very well extra often. In addition, the attitude ensures that you do not um, just blindly assume. You put your prejudices aside and you test before reaching a conclusion. Inquire everything and accept nothing. If someone or um, at the station coming, for instance, if someone at the station comes to you with a question, well, this person looks um, unkept and is not fluent in English, maybe, uh, perhaps your first reaction is to reject them, to dismiss this person right away because you assume that, I don't know, they're a criminal. But you may notice that I didn't even check. And do you still make a, a reapproachment? Maybe it turns out to be someone with a pure heart who just doesn't know how to dress. So never make assumptions. Always ask. Always test things. Even if it's something that you think that you cannot do. Like, oh, I could never start a business. I could never cook. Never trust what you say. Always test it out. Ask yourself, okay, is it true that I can't? Let me test this out. If someone tells you you can't do something... Test it out and see if he can actually do it. Number six is the one with the most flexibility wins. Live with options. People with great flexibility have the most possibilities to get the results they want. They are open to the unexpected wonders of life, adapt when changes call for it, and accept things that they cannot change, find creative solutions, and are constantly growing. This has to do with the previous assumption of NLP that if what uh, you do doesn't work, test something else. So in other words, flexible people love options and choices. If you only have one choice, then you're a robot. If you have two choices, you have a dilemma. If you have three or more ways of accomplishing something, you have options. Then you will also achieve it. And when those three options disappear, we just create new ways. The people who get the furthest in life are people who have options and know they always have options, such as how to respond. Always maintain freedom of options, such as having a choice in how you feel. That is flexibility. Proactive people live with options. Pass on this um principles also to your children. For example, always give your child three of everything, three options. This is how the subconscious learns that I have a choice. When you've gone shopping, put three kinds of fruit on the table when buying pacifiers for your child, for instance. Buy three and let the child know they always have a choice. Feeling insecure is a choice. 
Having a busy schedule is a choice. Being negative is a choice. Feeling fear is a choice. Talking, taking no action, working on your self-confidence is a choice. Choosing a new life story, also a choice. So let's take this a step further. Now it gets really interesting. Flexibility is an essential quality because it is so closely related to your ability to step out of your ego roles, ego masks and ego personalities, which is the image that you have of yourself. Because of this, you can always assume a different meaningful role without worrying about what others think of you and without thinking that you are the one person you were yesterday too today. It suddenly gives you freedom to do what you want, to be who you want to be and to achieve what you want to achieve. Even though I'm not to blame, I'm willing to take the blame in order to achieve the more important goal. Those roles and other material things are temporary and changeable. So we must detach ourselves from it so that we are free. The seventh principle of NLP is the past does not equal the future. No one is broken. The past is not the same as the future. This principle also ties in nicely with the previous principle because it is a flexible act to live yesterday as it was and to believe, do or be something new today. Something that had a certain use in the past is often no longer useful in new situations, even if, when it comes to beliefs. Yes, until now, I used a certain strategy, uh, like not get into relationships, because that's the strategy I found not to be hurt. But it doesn't mean that this is the strategy that will give me results in the future as well. Yet it sometimes happens that people generalize behaviors or beliefs from the past to the future. It's not necessary. It, in every situation, you have the option to do something different than what you did in the past. I see my clients already healed. If an error has been made, you can correct the, the error. If you do that, you program, your program will run fine again. It has nothing to do with people who are good, bad, broken, or unhealed. It's purely about changing a small instruction. Life is like a game of goose. You can start over and over and over, unless you get stuck. How do you know you're holding on to the past? If you're unhappy, ask yourself, what am I holding on to from the past? For instance, there are women who fear dating again, not because they can't find anyone, but because their previous relationship was so painful. There are people who never dared to make a romantic move because they were once painfully rejected when they wanted to make a move in their youth. Uh, there are men who never want to marry their partner, not because there is no love, but because their parents are divorced and they feared the same fate. There are people who are afraid of starting something new, not because they have no talent, but because of previous failures and fear of failure. There are those who are afraid of being happy now because it brought tears last time. There are people who don't follow their dreams because of old self-doubt, self-criticism, beliefs and fears. These people continuously focus 
in all future situations on avoiding that rejection, that pain, that abandonment, failure, tears, criticism. What is that for you? Ask yourself. What are you constantly avoiding? So what limiting thing are you focusing on that are holding you back? If it's so easy to just do something new now, why do people stick to their old story? This may, for example, have to do with positive intentions, such as fulfilling safety. It's safe to keep it as it is and not to be vulnerable to your new story. You are not the same person you were yesterday. Everything is always changing. You are free. You can do whatever you want. Principle number eight is the map is not the territory and perception is projection. This is perhaps the most beautiful principle which, with which more respect, peace and flexibility can arise. There is a difference between the world itself and how we experience the world. The way we model the world is only a reference to reality. It is not the reality itself. So a well-known analogy to this is the map is not the area. How we represent or see the world is only our own interpretation. It is our image of reality and we act and think according to that. The words we see, we, the words we use are not the same as the events or objects that they represent. This principle becomes more fruitful when we talk about more abstract perceptions of reality, especially such as uh, people that believe that the world is a bad place or all Greeks are lazy. Then you can extend this idea. Our model of the world has more influence on the actual world than you think. If you understand this, you are on the cause side, on the proactive side. Principle number nine is to respect the model, the map, representation of the world of others. Your conception is your reality. That goes for everybody. Park your prejudices and immerse yourself in the world model of the other. This is the deepest form of intimacy that you can have with someone. Trying to understand how they think, their model of the world. Your world model is never the truth. It is always different from reality. In the Netflix documentary, if you saw it, it's called The Story of God. We see Morgan Freeman uh, making friends with scientists and religious people around the world in seconds with complete respect. He knows how to immediately build a strong connection, strong rapport with everybody because he sincerely examines and accepts the truth of the other without Morgan Freeman wanting to convey his own vision and beliefs to the other. Your own view of the world has created purely because you were born in a certain area, on a certain street even, had certain parents and watched certain TV programs. If you had already lived one street away, you would have a completely different view of the world, completely different op opinions, values and information about the world. This is called conditioning. Number 10 is you cannot not communicate. People have two levels of communication, 
a conscious and an unconscious level. Even if you don't say anything, your body will tell you something. People always communicate. Even if they don't tell you verbally a response, that is still a response. So for instance, if you text someone and they leave you on scene, that is still communicating something, even if they haven't said something. Number 11 is everyone already has all the tools they need to achieve the desired results within themselves. If someone else can do it, I can too. So the subconscious mind is so intelligent, you have no clue and has all the information in it. For example, you had already shown the skills in a different context and you had not yet thought about using it in another context. Modeling successful action actions of other successful people leads to excellence. This presupposition is uh, diametrically opposed to the Dutch statement that you have it or you don't have it. If you adhere to this statement, you will lead to um, resigning yourself to the current situation. So adopting the NLP premises leads to a healthy attitude of experimentation and interest in the behavior and uh, capabilities of another because you know that you can have it too. Every human capacity is transferable since we are all human and therefore have broadly the same hardware. With the necessary willingness, effort and dedication, you can structure your own subjective experience as much as the model you want to emulate. Belief or uh, presupposition number 12, and this is the last one of the NLP presuppositions, is that the body and the mind influence each other. This can mean that if you have a fit body, you automatically have a fit mind. The same is true of moods. If you adopt the characteristic attitudes of a certain state of mind, you'll automatically start to feel appropriate. The modeling technique comes from this. Put, for example, uh, the physiology of a role model on yourself. Then take to a certain extent, um, to a certain extent, also the mindset and the skills of that model of over. This principle can also mean that the body provides the answers immediately. For example, the body can indicate someone's timeline by leaning, turning, uh, or gesturing with a certain hand in a certain direction. So you can feel, for instance, if you're getting too close or too far from a person, your body can sense if it's right or if it's wrong. So calibrate on behavior and the body. That provides the most valuable information. When you are talking to someone, know that the words are only a very, very small part of the communication. More important is the feeling. Read between the lines. Focus on unconscious signals in someone's voice and body language. This is also the following principle. We work with structures, not with content. Now, these were the 12 NLP principles. The seventh rule of being happy is to meet your core emotional needs and be your own lover, your own father, and your own mother. So focus on what are your core emotional needs. Is it love? Is it touch? Is it importance? 
and find ways to fulfill them by yourself or through more methods. So, for example, if you know that you need affection, learn to give it to yourself. If you don't have a partner, get a dog, for instance. It's easy to figure out your needs by noticing what you request of your partner. Why do you want to have a partner? What are you asking from your husband, from your wife? For example, you might be looking for a relationship because you want to make your life more interesting or because you need someone to accept you as you are or feel loved. Make a list of all of your needs and how you can meet them and do that every day. If you want to make your life more interesting, for instance, schedule your day the night before so that it includes things or activities that bring you joy. Take care of yourself and make your life more interesting by talking, taking a new uh, sculpture class or a new improvisation course. If you need admiration and recognition, which is a valid need that everyone has, by the way, first, you need to admire yourself. Make a list of everything that you love about yourself, that you are proud of. The rule number eight is always search for new experiences. So this can be exploring new ideas, new languages, religions, countries, books. The more curious you are, the more you learn about the world, the more you realize how little you know. And it gives you that feeling of excitement that you had in your childhood because it makes the world an interesting place to live in. If you live in a constant routine, you take the same route home every day, you meet the same people, you do the same thing at your job, everything is familiar, it will be boring. And we humans, even if we do need certainty as well, we need a certain amount of uncertainty, of unpredictability. If you make the same kind of food every day, start changing the recipes a few times a week. If you take the same route home, take a new one tomorrow. If you have the same schedule, change it up a bit. Add something new. Principle number nine is play your roles 100%. What does this mean? We play many roles in our life. We can be a mother, a father, a daughter, a son, husband, wife, friend, sister, doctor, but also different archetypes like the king or the queen, the bitch, the father, the mother, the wild woman, the magician. We all have all of these roles within ourselves. Do you, do you, do your role well? If you clean streets, clean streets well. Find meaning in every little thing that you do. When I was a barista, I tried to do my job at its best. Be charming with the clients, make them feel good, do latte art, pour coffee with love. I knew that I wasn't going to be a barista my whole life, but for those three months during the summer, I wanted to be the best barista that I could. I wanted to play the barista role at its best. Same when I go to dance classes. I always give 100% of myself to the dance. I am a dancer in that moment and nothing else matters. If I am in the sister role, I try to play that role as well as I can. Be flexible with these roles and don't get stuck in either of them because you are none and all of them in the same time. 
So you're basically the actor playing these roles, choosing what scene or movie you want to take on. You can be the victim, you can be the perpetrator, the queen, the king, the bitch, the bad guy or the good guy. You choose what roles you want to play in your life. And rule number 10, and this is the last rule, is emotional processing. So we need to process our emotions. I talked more about emotions in part one. So again, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. This can be in the form of meditation, sleep, or therapeutic exercises such as EMDR or EFT. So meditation can be literally just feeling your emotions, just letting yourself feel and process any emotions that are stuck in your body. Let your emotions flow. It's really important. Um, if taking a nap or sleep, which is a period where you, where, where your unconscious also processes the emotions you felt throughout the day, this is what dreams are for, then you can also do emotional freedom techniques or EMDR, which basically is a tapping technique. You can find more um, on YouTube if you want. It's called EFT or EMDR where you just tap different parts of your body, like your shoulders, for instance, alternatively and really fast. And this is how your nervous system um, regulates itself and releases emotions that are stuck in your body. Another way that you can process your emotions, especially anxiety, is by doing any kind of um, sport, like running. Because, for instance, if you run, your unconscious mind will think that it's running away from the threat and it will release the tension. So any kind of fast moving exercise uh, equilibrates, it um, balances your nervous system and your brain hemispheres, so the emotions are get released. And we all have emotions that get suppressed in our body, maybe from a breakup, maybe from a fight with our uh, friend, with our daughter, with our sister, with whoever it is. So it's really good whenever you feel this negative emotion to use one of these techniques to eliminate it, to let it flow. It can be, as I said, meditation or sleep or any therapeutic exercises. All right, so this was the podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I really appreciate it. If you have any questions or suggestions for future podcasts, I'm open to them. You can DM me. Thank you so much again and have a beautiful day.